L-A-S. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit LASPodcastNetwork.com. Friends with Marketing Benefits is brought to you by... I'm Jason Alberti. And I'm Lindsay Prince. I am a dad of two boys, a comedy writer, and I love medieval literature. I'm the mom of two girls, a comedy writer, and I love TikTok. Hey, we've got a new podcast. And it's called What Do You Want to Talk About? We talk about everything from almond milk lattes to xenophobia. New episodes every Monday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Do You Want to Talk About is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more information, you can visit laspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Lindsay, did I tell you the story about Skarpe the Njalsson when he was in Iceland and he was dying because he was under this log on fire and he pulls out this molar and he whips it into Thurl Thurlson's eye? No, I don't understand most of what you just said. Oh. Oh, Jason, did I tell you that Billie Eilish got bangs? What's a Billie Eilish? L-A-S. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Friends with Marketing Benefits. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Schultz. And I am Brody White, your other host. Brody White. Hi, Brody. Hey. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Living that dream. Every day. We just had Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? Um, It was pretty good. Really relaxed. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't have to do a whole lot. I just kind of like took a lot of days off. As much as I take days off. I I was going to say. You're looking at me like you know I'm full of it, which I guess. Because you're full of it. You don't relax. Yeah, I didn't take a lot of days off. But for my version of it. (laughs) I actually, I guess I did the same thing, right? I I spent some time with family, but I'm a workaholic. I was ready to get back to it. Yeah. So um, speaking of workaholics, (laughs) we have our producer here as well, Alex Schulte. Hi, Alex. Hey, guys. I I took the time. I didn't work at all in the past three days. (laughs) It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, did you eat good, did you some good food at least? Yeah, I I still ate more leftovers before I got in today. Congratulations! God, good I know it's ridiculous. How many Thanksgivings did you guys have? I just had the one. I had one and a half, and mine wasn't even like over what? Thanksgiving. So then I just like made myself green bean casserole on Thanksgiving Day and just like ate it straight oh, from the. That doesn't even sound terrible to be honest. It was wonderful. It was a yeah, great holiday. That sounds awesome, Logan. Right. Where did your half Thanksgiving come from? Because you get together with family and you you know under the excuse of thanksgiving but you're not eating thanksgiving food you're not like oh, doing understood. the thing got it you know yeah no i, I only had turkey I, once i was gonna say it's like you're saying that like it's like an understood relatable thing and i didn't relate to anything you just said <laughs> like i only see you <laughs> on thanksgiving and christmas like the big holidays so it's kind of a thanksgiving mm-hmm. but if we're not having turkey if we're not having okay. the meal that, you're is right. it really thanksgiving Uh, Turkey makes up for half of Thanksgiving. That's true. I'm not seeing you unless there is like Thanksgiving food. (laughs) Right. That's 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 where I was confused. You wouldn't even show up. I was like, family? (laughs) Casseroles. I like it. I like it. Oh, man. Okay. We already had this conversation. If you want to hear how I don't like Thanksgiving food, um, there's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Alex doesn't produce from one dad to another anymore. Yeah. So my face was like, what? Yeah. I don't like Thanksgiving food. Okay, we'll we'll talk about. We'll this. talk about it. We'll, we'll talk, talk about it another time. Um, I really want to hear about our guests' Thanksgiving, but in order to do that, we have to introduce them. You know this guest very well, Brody. We have met once or twice over the last twenty-five years because we've known each other our entire <laughs> lives. Uh, but yeah, this is my good friend with marketing benefits. Her name is Krista, quote unquote Martin. We know each other as Peterson again when we were five years old, and you know, <laughs> until then. But yeah, Krista, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here in Cedar Rapids this morning. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Welcome. Um, Krista, I'm meeting you kind of for the first time right now, but you came to our live show at Stillwater Coffee with Elizabeth Von Presley, which is where I guess we officially met. Yes, it was awesome. What a great event. And I actually have had a lot of comments on, wow, their setup was so great. I was like, that was actually in a coffee shop live. And people were so excited to see that even in Cedar Rapids, to have live shows to be able to attend. Right. It was so fun. It's such a unique thing to do that we're really awesome to be able to put on. I loved it. was really exciting. It was a great way to spend my night. And I had the jitters for like three days afterwards because I drank (laughs) so much coffee. I had to special request a decaf. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm going to set my own personal limits. I'm going to be very realistic. Well, I I chose wine. (laughs) Oh, well done. Wine chose you. (laughs) 
That's well, who I am. <laughs> thank you for coming back on the show now that now that we're friends. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being here. And we're super excited to talk with you. You both work together at a company. But before we dive into your story, let me tell you, dear listener, about how this is Friends with Marketing Benefits. It's a podcast that comes out bi-weekly or every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It comes out every Tuesday, every other Tuesday. Tuesdays, Tuesdays, Tuesdays. That's the word. Um, and hey, if you like this show, if you really want to support our independent podcast network, consider subscribing to LAS Plus. It's just $10 a month. It gets you ad-free versions of all of our shows, bonus episodes, discounts at live events like that Stillwater Coffee event, and much, 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 much more. For more information on all of that, go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. <laughs> I like that you have like a little dance that you do along with it alex oh sorry <laughs> i forget you guys can like see me through this window sometimes so i just did like a slashing motion slash plus because i've heard that so <laughs> many times so i know how it goes i love but it yeah go to la's podcast store i'm slash plus. plus all right don't know what that was <laughs> let's get to our guest uh krista who the heck are you who am i man i know big question for this podcast <laughs> i'm krista martin and Brody and I, we both work at Boardable. I'm currently the vice president of growth there. And um, who I am is many other things besides that. But of let's, course. yeah, definitely dig into that today. <laughs> so, uh, Brody, you also work with Boardable. Yep. Yes, we do. Um, and you said you're the vice president of growth. Uh, if this is correct, I took down this note and we were talking right before we started recording. You were the second employee ever for this I company? I was, yeah, full time employee. Okay. So startup, you always have the like, oh, there's a half-time person, one's a founder. But I was the second full-time employee. So gotcha. I remember very clearly the first day walking into a basement, and there's just three of us there. And uh, the footprint now that the office has, we have the whole building. But before, it was one room. And so it really is like interesting to start so small and see it grow to where it is today. And um, yeah, it's been fun. It's fun to have Brody working at Boardable now, too. Bringing yeah, it to Cedar Rapids. Yeah, it's right. based in Indianapolis. So the pandemic allowed us to go remote, which allowed me to move back to Iowa um, yeah. and also start a bit of a team here. So we have some open positions if anybody's interested. Oh, <laughs> all right. We're going to come back to that for Great. sure. Open position. Great. Career is portable. Look it up. <laughs> uh, so one of you tell me, because I actually, like, I kind of know because you've told me a bit, but I don't really know. Tell me what portable is. Yeah, so it's a really, really cool category out there called board management software. Okay. And it sounds simple, right? And you're like, oh, of course, I know what board management software is, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so our primary customer is a nonprofit. And okay. every nonprofit has a board. And boards are really interesting because they're made up of a bunch of users mm -hmm. that are technologically, geographically, and organizationally diverse, which what that means is they're not all under the same roof of like a business. So they don't have the same email addresses. They don't have the same tech stack. And the amount of communication that goes in between maybe your board and your staff, it can be varied depending on what committee you're on or board. So what Boardable yeah. does, it's a one-stop shop for all board communication. So you could store documents, you can um, actually hold meetings in our platform. So really, we cover the whole meeting life cycle from prep to running to follow up. And um, really, we're out there to help nonprofits streamline their board, which will hopefully let them reach their missions faster and more effectively and take a lot of the administrative work off of those admins and put it into software because that's what software is for. It's there to take the manual things and automate them. And so we help a lot with that. And so, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking about um, project management software and a lot of mm. those things you've seen a lot of that now have uh, communication systems built in or something like that. How is Boardable different? Is it, is it the targeting specifically, um, targeting boards and meeting specific needs that, that really differentiates it? There is a lot of influence from project management to meeting software to document software all in Boardable. Got so. It. We use this term called digital duct tape. And I'm sure even mm. today, if, you know, LAS podcast, you guys are newer, right? You're probably using a bunch of different tools mm -hmm. and they are serving different needs, but they don't all play super well, nice or super well together. And maybe once Brody 
leaves a certain email address or something, you might lose a big piece of your business with yeah. that person leaving. And so boards, you have terms, you have three years. And often what's happening, if someone's leaving the board, you're leaving almost like this chunk of history in that nonprofit's Oh my gosh, past. yeah. And so it's requiring more onboarding to happen again. And then you have to almost do the work all over once you have someone new joining. So digital duct tape is great, but it's not great for the long term. It's not great for reporting and, and honestly, it, it's not actually fulfilling the need of the entire board process, which is what Boardable is solving for. That resonates with me on such a strong level for two <laughs> reasons. One, Brody and Alex and I were just talking about digital duct tape without that term, but I love that term. I definitely use that term in the conversation. I slid it in, Did you? I, I stole it from, <laughs> from Mark. <laughs> it's, it's great. That's totally a thing, especially for um, not just... Uh, uh, you know, small startups in a closet in a theater, right? But um, small businesses in general are piecemealing things together to try and fit their needs and figure out their own workflows and what systems they need to put in place. So that digital duct tape, I love that idea. I have been on a couple of boards, um, and Brody, I believe you have as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know what it's like to lose that... Um, that organizational knowledge and that base when somebody rolls off and yeah, they have things on their computer, or their Google drive that isn't shared everywhere because yep. they haven't been thinking about their board. They're just thinking about their company and you know, I'm, I'm not synced up to your outlook as a business and all this stuff. So um, I, I think that that's definitely meeting a need that I never really thought of, but is definitely there. Yeah. And talking about marketing, um, that's where it kind of gets tricky, right? Uh, yeah. Digital duct tape. We all have it. But to really have that need pass from, you know, this would be nice to have to to need to have is where our product is digging into that problem and making sure we're present at the meeting. So being able to facilitate an actual video conference, a hybrid meeting, uh, we do that all within our software. So really that whole meeting life cycle is how we become a need to have product. Really interesting. Um, I, I don't mean to hog too much of the conversation from you, Brody. I just... This is all new to me. <laughs> exactly. Go for it. Uh, so I, I think it's a really exciting product. You are the VP of growth. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? I am. What does a VP of growth do? So growth is kind of one of those new buzz terms. Mm -hmm. all yeah, it's over, a very trendy right? title. It is. It's trendy. Um, that's not why I took it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it is kind of fun, though. <laughs> um, I do tell some of my family that they, you know, they're not in technology and, and telling them I'm a VP of growth feels silly. <laughs> Especially from Iowa. They're like, you yeah. started working in agriculture? Yeah. What are you growing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but that totally makes sense. I was going to say, when you try to talk to people about tech who have no idea what tech is, especially, again, Iowa. Yeah. It's like complete, they're like, yeah, I know somebody who's a VP of growth. Yeah. He works at the farm. Exactly. I. <laughs> And so before I was the VP of growth at Boardable, I started employee number two. I was product and marketing manager. So I was heading okay. all of product and all of marketing. Then I transitioned to just directing product and headed that up for a couple of years. And then taking on growth. Um, so what a, a growth team does, it, it can act a little bit differently. You can have a VP of growth under the marketing side of the business, which is going to do a lot of, um, some people call it growth hacking. It kind of depends on how you build your growth team. Now my team, what I have right now, we're on the product side of the business, and we are a product-led company, which means we try to get our product in front of every single news, new user who comes in the door. So we don't need you to talk to sales to understand the value of our product. We have a free trial. We're actually experimenting with a free version of the product, and that means you can get in, get behind the scenes, figure out if it's right for you or not. And so what my team does is we look at the entire customer lifecycle, all the way from acquisition to renewal and upgrades, and we find opportunities for growth. So getting more usage out of what's there today and maybe experimenting with what could be added to, again, continue to grow. And what my team looks like, we have a data scientist. We have two product marketers. So we do have a marketing function on my team. Um, and then I also have a growth engineer. So my team is actually cross-functional and we can go out and experiment with some marketing campaigns. So uh, for example, we're we're thinking about agendas lately, mm. and that is one of the biggest reasons people come to us because crafting an agenda is hard. And so, if you're new to a board and you've never run a meeting before, you're looking for a little bit of thought leadership. So we have that at Boardable. We bring you in with thought leadership. It's an inbound machine. You come in, you check us out, you sign up for a free trial, 
And then you say, oh, but I just wanted to build an agenda today. And that's okay. You could come and you could do that at Boardable. So we're thinking, okay, this smaller problem that people are coming for, they don't know board management yet. They don't know they need that. So they come in, they want to build an agenda. And so thinking about problems like that is what my team would do. They would say, okay, a lot of organic search is coming in for agendas. How can we start targeting and segmenting this audience and speaking to their pain points? And then how do we nurture them into our full solution through product behavior triggers or even campaigns that would make them aware of the horrible problem of board management? So (laughs) my team does a lot of things, but that's probably one example right there. It's a really interesting product. And Brody, I want to turn to you because you said something that I want to latch on to, Krista, which is they don't know they need it. And that's the second time we've brought that up now. So I think we need to dive into that idea because um, not only is it true for product-based businesses, but also service-based organizations as well, it's how do you get your, your audience, your clientele, whoever you're speaking to, to understand that what you have for them is something they need, even if they don't know that they need it, right? That's a really fundamental idea, but a really difficult one to get your hands around. Brody, before we turn to Krista, do you have initial thoughts on just that concept? So how do we make people understand the need for the product that they don't know they need? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's just really interesting because as soon as you explain to me what Boardable is, um, I was like, oh, yeah, I've totally experienced that. Mm-hmm. But you had to sit down in front of me and talk to me about what it was before I could understand it. Right. And understand that, oh, yeah, I did need that. Yeah. And it's definitely, especially the example of the agenda, a thing that we see a lot. That's what people are coming for anyways. How do we find those things that maybe they're not looking for a board management software? So how do we put the features that we have that they already are looking for? How do we figure out what people know that they need and make them see that realize that this is the bigger product that they need all of these features they need this entire assistance this management Mm -hmm. and And that's that customer journey right finding those entry points yeah positioning is really important especially in a technology business where you need to position yourself differently for someone who has digital duct tape who doesn't know what you are yet but then we do have a lot that are further along in their buying journey and they know who we are and they're comparing us to their competitors and they have an actual sheet of okay you tick these boxes Let's talk what's next. But um, what's important when you're identifying those pain points, what's great about marketing today and product today is there's so much data. And so Mm -hmm. you can talk to users, which you always have to do. Don't just rely on the data behind the scene. Like make sure you're talking to your users and your customers. But you can find those hotspots of activity and understand the time to value is much faster in certain areas of the product. So agendas, it really is. Like we have, my data scientist loves digging into data and saying, when people delete one agenda item, it actually improves their conversion percentage by X percentage. And what that's saying is when people actually get in and they start creating something as their own and say, I see myself in this agenda now, they are buying into your product. So looking, no matter what business you're in, there are certain behaviors like that that can act as bumpers. Mm -hmm. So think about um, whatever your business is, maybe you're trying to get them to buy a water bottle. (laughs) And, and, And there are steps along the path to buying a water bottle that you need to make sure you have kind of these bumpers lined up for them. So maybe they're not ready for an agenda yet, but what can you start them in that can get them down this lane to eventually buy your water bottle, which is a horrible example because it's you're thirsty and that's there's not a lot of bumpers. There's not like a ton of bumpers, but sell it in a desert, you're good to go. People really need water. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I mean we could look at it a little bit deeper and say, um, what is the differentiating factor for your water bottle? Right. How does your water bottle stand out in a very crowded you know, uh field, right? And say, okay, this is our differentiating factor. This is what we're going to capitalize on. How do we guide people to needing our water waddle because it's different, right? Yeah. Also, I did say water waddle. Yeah, you did. Thanks for not calling me out on it. I, I don't saw it. know if there's a need for that yet, but we will tell people and they will get water waddles. Water waddles. Actually, that's adorable. I'm going to write that one down. Water waddles. Dips. Um, okay. We've touched on some good stuff here already. Mm-hmm. Let's rewind even further. Yeah. Because Brody, like you said, you have known Krista for a very long time. Let's take it back. We're in Mrs. Bob's classroom, kindergarten. <laughs> 
terrifying. <laughs> just kidding. She was wonderful. I was going to say, she's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to a lot of records, Strawberry Shortcake. Um, <laughs> we can move farther forward. Oh, okay, great. Cool. So, uh, I think also kind of, did you go to college specifically where you're like, I'm definitely going to do marketing? Where you're like, you know what I'm going to do? Board management software in 15, you're going to be on it. When are you ready? When did you, what was your process into falling into a marketing role? Yeah. Um, I think how I came to my career, although I look back now, I'm like, that's awesome. I love my first experience in the working world. But Brody, you know this, like mm-hmm. I was not a fan of math. I took as many jur- journalism classes and um, religion classes and gym. I just wanted to excel at gym really bad. I you, wanted you, the gym award. You did well. Uh, <laughs> you wait, you won a gym award? No, I didn't, but I wanted oh. to. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a what sore subject, that? so let's move on. Oh, <laughs> you, what is a gym award? It's literally like an award for like just like gymming a lot. Like You <laughs> do. You have to be like just really want to go to gym and I did and I thought I was gonna win it and I didn't and uh yeah and so that's what turned you to marketing you're like huge gym turned its back on me (laughs) (laughs) no so I went to college for actually I wanted to be a motivational speaker which um every engineer's daughter that's their dream right so my mom's an engineer very like logical thinker and she's how do you make a career out of that um and I didn't. <laughs> but here I am today motivating you all. She asks a great question. <laughs> um, so I went to school. I ended up majoring in communications with an emphasis in PR. Mm. And communication arts, it's, they don't do it the same anymore at colleges. But you cover everything, a little bit of design, business, marketing. And in our final capstone, we had to produce a documentary. And we did ours on human trafficking in Iowa, first of all. What a problem. Um, but it was it was a really interesting experience. You're working on a cross-functional team. So you have a variety of skill sets that you're working with. And then we also had to spin up a website, a WordPress website, and then essentially market our documentary for people to attend and um, get people to interview and participate in it. So it was a really good project that showed me all of the levels of what it takes to really build product and then get it out into the hands of your users. And so I came into Cedar Rapids, my first job after school with um, the Gazette company, and I was a digital product analyst. And so for someone who wanted to go and be a motivational speaker to start as an analyst seems weird. Um, But marketing today, product today, if you don't have an analytical brain, it's just not going to work as well as you want it to, because Mm -hmm. things are so digital and uh, return on investment of everything you're doing, although that's a little bit of a controversial subject, right? Of like sure. you can't always figure out what the return is, um, but it's important to think analytically and really always look to iterate. So, I learned that quickly. I got to at the Gazette company um, actually look at all the traffic that was coming in, what was bringing them in, what were behaviors like, how long were they staying on certain articles, when would they leave, and it gave me that back end experience into different audiences Mm -hmm. into how you can actually influence their behavior and certain journalists that maybe wrote about certain subjects um it was actually around the time where newspaper was kind of dying it was a hard time in the industry and then it's how do we start producing more content that's getting more eyeballs on the internet and it's a hard conversation to have right you you love what you're writing And then you go and you look and viewers are just so down, right? Oh, I think this article, everyone's going to love it. But then you look at the numbers and they're not reading it. And that was like a lot of tension in the beginning when you're actually matching up feelings with analytics. Yeah. And really tracking and working towards clicks. It was the start of that becoming clickbait even existing. And so to go from that not being a thing, it's like, tabloid mm-hmm. is the only place that's doing something that's really just trying to get views yeah from journalism having to really get those views and be able to track it and see like what's interesting what's going to make money what's going to be the product that sells yeah it's a completely different change of that industry it was and so that was interesting working on that side of the business but i also got to work in the marketplaces side which are e-commerce products so Mm -hmm. that has a funnel and i could see actually influence happening when you're going from i have a career i want to post right i worked on 
careers.com. I worked on KCRG Autos, if any of you guys remember that. I was like at the start of that um, first one of, you know, kind of failures <laughs> of, your, <laughs> of your career. Did it. Um, <laughs> Get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, I just got it over really quick. And deals, what is it? Dealsia.com. Oh, gosh. It was a long time ago. But what I got to see there is these are a bunch of different audiences and the path to what you want them to do is different for all of them. So, again, getting those bumpers of either getting your ad online or to buy a car. At KCRG, I actually went to the dealerships and <laughs> pounded on the door and none of them wanted to buy it. <laughs> it's really tough. Point. Anyway, that, that really got me into product and I became a product manager then and at the Gazette Company, I also got to market my products because it was such an incredible opportunity to have uh, a creative agency there and designers at my, um, you know, I could have an idea and they would make it reality and then developers could go code something. And so I got a really lucky start to my career. Mm -hmm. I got to cover a lot in a little bit of time. Yeah, and had a lot of access as yes. opposed to, you know, as we'll get to coming yeah. on to a startup. Mm -hmm. You don't have, it's just you. You, yeah. You're not just wearing a couple hats. You're wearing all the hats. You don't have an agency to go to anything no. with. You're digital duct typing and making things work and building itself. So getting to see, have all that access is something that a lot of people don't always don't often get. Yeah. For sure. It definitely helped me. Go ahead. No, yeah, please. Oh, yeah. So it helped me once I was at Boardable as employee number two. You're finding product market fit. So we already kind of talked about this, right? When people don't know, don't know they have the problem you're trying to solve. Um our origin story actually comes from the United Central Way of Indiana. They had a need for, a, they always call them board portals, and they went out and they wanted to custom actually get one developed. It was way too expensive, and they came to two of our founders and said, can you just make this? We're, we're really interested in this. And instead of just making it for United Way, our founders all had started different nonprofits, so they felt the problem that they were actually solving for. Mm. And so we ended up buying or building the product and then selling it from there. It's like in the beginning, friends and family, and, oh, it was tough. And so I was running our AdWords and our social media and doing the entire website and being the main product lead on the entire product and the customer support. And so you're doing a lot of it. But what is really cool about that stage is you can learn a lot. You get to experiment a lot. And that's experimentation and learning are just the DNA of my career. Mm -hmm. I never will know all the answers. I never will be the smartest person in the room. But I know I have a tool set of I can learn something. I can also learn from those around me and believe that they have the capabilities <laughs> of doing something better than me. Um, and so I figured it out. And now we're at 54 employees. So I skipped a lot to getting to there. But in the <laughs> beginning, you're right. Boots on the ground. You're doing it all. So I was running marketing. But there are certain times where you say, this has grown bigger than me. <laughs> and I need to give away my Legos to someone else to build something better than I could before. Yeah, I love that. I need to give away my Legos. Yeah, I just got to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I want to hear more. I want to dive in even deeper into that startup phase because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that listen to this show in particular are at the beginning of journeys, right? They are small businesses. They are people with ideas. They are, you know, people with projects that they're trying to grow. So I think diving a bit more into that story and then showing how those things that you've learned, you now apply and especially talking some more about um, uh, your particular role with product growth and um, customer journey and analytics and all that. We're going to dive into that some more, but we need to take a break. So let's check in with some sponsors, uh, including Junior Achievement, who we love. Shout out to Junior Achievement. And uh, we will be back with Krista in just a moment. Friends with Marketing Benefits is brought to you by... Brody, it's been really exciting to run this podcast with you and the LAS startup with you, but I'm kind of stressed out. Yeah, why is that? What's well, wrong? It's just stressful to start a business. The, the financial aspects of all of it, it's, it's tough to navigate. I wish that we had learned more about this when we were in school. If only there were an opportunity that taught you things like financial literacy and 
Where does that decimal actually go? <laughs> oh, well, hey, good news. Junior Achievement reached out to us, and they're doing great things for the young people in our community, and they're working with classes K-12 through on a variety of different topics, such as entrepreneurship and career readiness and financial literacy. But they need more volunteers, and the Friends with Marketing Benefits audience is the perfect fit to volunteer with Junior Achievement. Yeah, their programs are already pre-packaged. They have all the information that those mentors and volunteers need to go in and be successful. They have opportunities in K-12 to classrooms, and they don't have to make the planning. They just show up in a classroom, and they get to teach the already pre-made class, and all the kids get to learn everything on financial literacy. It's super easy to get started as well, right? You just click that link in the description of this podcast episode, or go to engage.ja.org for more information. They make it as easy as possible to get involved. It's great. I'm super excited about it. And uh, yeah, Friends with Marketing Benefits audience, give them a call, engage.ja.org. Uh, let's do something great for our community together. There are so many great words in the English language. Vision. Inspiration. Temptation. Which word describes me? Which word describes you? I'm Alex Schulte, and I host the podcast called One Word Stories. I want to take local Cedaripidians and other Eastern Iowans and find out what word describes them right now and go back in their lives and find out how we got here. This show comes out every single Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even Google Podcasts. Oh, and if you want more... There's an exclusive post-show after every single episode on LAS+. That's like One Word Stories plus 15 minutes. If you want to subscribe to LAS+, go to laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus. You'll get access to ad-free episodes of One Word Stories and every other LAS show, bonus content like One Word Stories post-show, and a whole bunch more. One Word Stories. What's your word? L-A-S. Hi. Greetings. Hello. Uh, hello there. I'm Alan Way, and I'm your dungeon master for this new live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Myths of Myria. This podcast is for those looking to rediscover the joy of adventure, and helping me on this journey is my lovable nerdy cast. I'm Josh Wagner, and I'll be playing... Shadow. I'm Jackson Parker, and I will be playing Valros Visago. I'm Morgan Willis, and I'll be playing her. If you like fantastical and otherworldly character-driven stories, political and military intrigue, snide gamblers, or discovering what's on the other side of the looking glass, then you are going to love our brand new podcast as a part of the LAS Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you can find your podcasts. To support our show and other local creators like us, subscribe to LAS Plus. And for more information on that, you can go to laspodcastnetwork.com. And just remember, you don't have to know anything about Dungeons & Dragons to fall in love with this podcast. And little did you know that this entire trailer was the verbal components to a spell. And now you're enchanted to listen every Monday to Myths of Myria. So, welcome. 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 To Miriam. L-A-S. Welcome on back to Friends with Marketing and Benefits. I'm Logan. I'm Brody. We have our producer, Alex, here. Hi, Alex. Hey. And Alex, we're talking with Krista, and you brought up something that I really want you to say again while we were <laughs> in the break. Okay, so it's it's really fun listening to this conversation because uh, there's a lot of parallels between what you've done so far in your career and what LAS is kind of trying to do and what we've been doing. So you were talking about how cool it was to to see you walk into a room and there's only three people in this in this small room, and now you've seen it grow into this big thing. We started in a room in my Harry Potter room, as we called it, because it, it's literally a, a, an office that's underneath my stairs is where we started the podcast network. That's where we first started this thing. And now we're in Theater Cedar Rapids and we're seeing this grow. And it's, it's, it's promising to see that you did it successfully because we want to do it successfully. Yeah, and I think that, Chris, you just had a great point about time passing, right? Yeah. I think it's so interesting. Um, just, 
to look back because we were just after I took or before we took us to a break, we were just starting to talk about being a small startup and doing some of everything. And I mentioned that a lot of the people listening to the show are small businesses and people just getting started and people at the beginning of an idea. And so it's very um, interesting to hear from somebody who was there five years ago and now has grown to, you know, 50 plus, 50 plus employees and, and having a full team. and 50 plus employees. Man, me oh, today man. with the words. <laughs> that me sounds Fix it in post. I don't want to work there. <laughs> Um. <laughs> um, so startups, right? Am I right? So startups, you know, <laughs> airplane food. Um, so yes, just very, very exciting, very empowering to hear. Um, how do you feel about that? Now that you're kind of sitting down for a moment with us and, and taking a look back, how do you feel about the last five years? Yeah. Um, so one interesting thing about a startup is I'm not working with all of the early employees anymore on a day-to-day basis and that's what happens when businesses change Um, some people like different phases of the business more than others so when you're in the startup phase you have to have the mentality of I can go get that done and I'm going to do it on a shoestring budget and I'm just going to get it out the door and make sure we're moving forward and as your business grows kind of the importance of just getting it out the door, like it stays, but it has to have polish and there has to be a process and there has to be more communication across the company. And so there are a lot of shifting things that happen when you go from year one, when you are selling to friends and family to year five, when you have, you know, international customers. Yeah. We have customers in 40 plus countries. So you're, you're just, it's a whole different beast and not everyone can grow at every phase. And so when I look back, I think what has gotten me from startup phase to now scaling is that that tool belt of learning is always important and um, really the looking at what's in front of me and being okay to change my strategy, Mm -hmm. right? And to actually bring people into your business that can complement your skills. So um, let's see, one thing I'm, I'm, definitely thankful for my team for my product marketers one of them has the tenacity to just drive a project home with so much energy and every single jira epic that they like mark off it's like yes and they're just so excited and that type of energy at this point in the business for me being able to focus on one project and get it to the completion and the standards that it needs to be at i can't do right now I just have a lot of different things going on. I'm kind of looking at the strategy over the top. And so it's it's really good to, as you build your team, fill in those different skill sets. And so as you're thinking about your founding team and your first couple of employees, you're going to have to pick people who are more scrappy. And those scrappy people may not be there five years down the road. They might if they choose to be. But it's, it's kind of looking at what skill sets are good for you right now. And then investing in those people, right? Like, I'm not just saying just because they're scrappy, you should go get them. But if they're a good match for you, I think that's one of the most important things about a team. So when we started Abortable, we actually didn't have a CEO for the first year. So we were mm. operating. Um, we just had our, our co-founder, Joe, who was our developer, myself, um, a part-time customer success and who is also our founder, Laura, and Julie, who did partnerships. Um, so you just think about all of the things that take to get a product technology off the ground into people's hands, supporting it, building it, and you had to trust the person next to you that they're going to do their part. And so trust is also huge. When I look back, I don't think we'd make it this far if we had a lack of trust on our team when we were little. Definitely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think there's also talking about that scrappiness that you need to find is also so important of people growing and changing and if they want to stay with the Mm -hmm. company. And it's also being very comfortable and having trust and having the communication to say like, you know, this role that you had then isn't here anymore. Like knowing yourself and knowing what you want to grow with and knowing that like, I'm not going to try and force it to be this position that I wanted it to be anymore. Like, it's not that anymore. Do I want it? No, let's allow that to keep growing and allow me to either 
keep doing what I really love or grow in a different way somewhere else. I think that's such like a difficult thing because you're so invested mm-hmm. when you're five people sitting around a table in a basement yeah. Yeah. and things start to grow. That's really hard to let go of. And you have to have like a great camaraderie and team and support. It to totally be, like, is. We're all need also need to do not just what's right for this, but what's right for us. So this project can keep functioning the yes. way that we need it to. That's a really good thing to touch on. So as you find those people who are like your people, you complement each other really well, then sometimes it gets scary to add more people because sometimes it gets comfortable, right? And it's like we have our ideas and we really like how we work. And I always envisioned I would be this person in the company. And then your company changes. And maybe you're not the right person anymore. So I made that comment about you have to give away your Legos. And that's not for me. That's from an uh, article and. I would love to cite it on not today. The concept of is basically I had a certain amount of Legos when I was employee number three. I could build something really great, and I did. But then in order to get to the next size building, I had to bring someone in who had more Legos, who could build a better tower. And so if I took over all marketing for Boardable today and I was still running that, we wouldn't be where we are. I wasn't the right person to keep building that specific part of the business. And so what that did, they got to concentrate there and I got to go get more Legos for the part of the business that I wanted to carve out. And so it's always the ability to grow yourself, but then to sometimes give it away and trust that someone else is going to build it better than you. And it's also taking that step back into becoming leadership. Yeah. Of you're saying, you're like, I have a team that can drive through with tenacity these projects that you don't get to do anymore. Yeah. And if that's a thing that you love as those startups grow and change, if like you really want to be boots on the ground, maybe then you don't probably want to be leadership because you have to be able to give those things away and you have to look big picture. And so that's also such a thing of finding those balances of, you know, do you want to be a leader mm-hmm. or do you want to keep having that tenacity and driving those things home? They're two awesome skill sets, but you can't always do both. Yeah. We still do quite a bit of both at Boardable. <laughs> 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 totally. If you don't get energy from seeing other people go and succeed, and, and that yeah. sounds bad. Of course, people get energy from other people succeeding, but mm-hmm. that is a lot of the form of like, I am doing a jo- good job because Brody's doing a good job. Right. Um, yeah. And not because like I taught him everything, but because I've resourced him correctly and I have put a path towards growth in front of him and he's taken it. Like, that's awesome. And so mm-hmm. my team, I tell them all the time, like very attached. I am. I am. My You're team. an attached person. I, yeah, I just am. I <laughs> do. I, I attach myself. <laughs> quite a bit, but I am very committed to their career paths and how they're going to grow and and making sure you're investing in people's education when you're today a marketer or I mean anywhere it's always changing. Right. So that you have to look outside of your own experiences and learn from other people. Yeah, and that's somewhere I kind of want to go next because we've talked about this a little bit, but especially in tech, everything is constantly changing, and I think. Not that long ago, if someone said product marketer, it definitely didn't mean what it means today, or it maybe didn't mean anything not that long ago. Uh, kind of what is that like of seeing things constantly growing and changing? You know, your team is growing and changing, but you're in an industry that doesn't have a blueprint and a roadmap. What are the things that you are doing your best? So you, like you said, to set your team up for success and you're like, we don't know what's happening in like three years. This doesn't have a roadmap. So I need Mm -hmm. to still find ways to set you up. Are there skill sets that you've learned, things that you've had to like dig in and research? Or is it just like fingers crossed moving forward? A little bit of all of it. (laughs) And really quick before you answer, I just want to punch in one line because I wrote it down. Um, You said that, you know, you can't always identify an ROI, but you always still need to be iterating, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to be taking in data. You always need to be iterating. So I wanted to circle back on that as well, Mm -hmm. especially because of the field that you're in, Mm -hmm. right? Where's your head at with with that type of work? Yeah, so product marketing, it's kind of like growth. It can sit in different parts of the business depending on your business, really. Mm -hmm. And so there is no blueprint. For sure. There's always, usually if you find articles, it's like traditional marketing versus product marketing. And it's always a little bit of a, like, territory type of a thing. Like, it should be here. It should be there. But really what product marketing is, is it sits in between sales, product, and marketing. So um, we come out with a new feature. And we just talked about a couple different audiences at the top of this conversation. We talked about the people who are first-time shoppers. They have digital duct tape. And then we talked about people who already know about board management software who 
are very aware they need the software. Those, you have to talk to them differently. Mm -hmm. And they're also going to enter the product differently. So my product marketers, as soon as a feature is built on the product team, they develop that core messaging. And so what would happen there from that core messaging, it's then enabled internally. You have to meet with support. You have to meet with customer success. You have to meet with marketing. You have to meet with um, sales to make sure we're talking about this correctly. And then each team can take that foundational piece of messaging and use it in their departments as needed. So that's kind of where product marketing starts. But we also do a lot of different things like user research and we at Boardable, um, we have a self-serve motion. So you could come in, you could start a trial, you can buy, you never have to talk to anyone. You can, we're there. Mm-hmm. But some people prefer to buy that way. And so my product marketing team, they are shepherds of that whole journey. So they put together very technical campaigns that sometimes traditional marketing will not have the time to do. So based on product triggers, maybe you scheduled your first meeting. We're going to send you this email based off of that behavior instead of time-based. So you could see that product marketing being closer to product and knowing what's coming out and having a bit more of technical chops. And then also that, that marketing strength of crafting messaging and knowing your audience. Um, They're, they're just kind of superhuman. They, they do it all, but, That's how we do product marketing. It's evolving. We only have two product marketers, and um, I'd love to have way more. (laughs) But that is kind of where we're at right now in in our marketing setup. Yeah. And as you push that forward, is there, like, the things that specific big humps, or, like, have you had certain things where you're like, this is definitely, like, we put this plan together. It is going to crush it. It's going to bring in so many people. And then it just, like doesn't happen and what have you had to do to like push through things and find success or move on from something learn learn the lesson yeah things like that we have experimentation is really hard everyone thinks your results are going to be like we increased it by 150 (laughs) percent and that's actually not how improvement happens it's like a percentage at a time or it's no change and then you say okay that wasn't the right move and you move on and so one thing we've been tracking a lot lately uh is the sign up process so Mm -hmm. someone comes to our website they sign up for a free trial they get brought to just a standard landing page and they get put into our campaign but where did they come from what were they actually looking for? And so we've done a lot of experimentation around that sign-up flow. So if you're looking at agendas, we're going to show you agenda content. Your first email is going to nurture you into how to create an agenda instead of sending you to our document center. Mm-hmm. However, we've had several iterations of that that didn't work. Mm-hmm. That didn't change any numbers. And so every single time we go back to the drawing board and we say, how can we do this differently? And that can be exhausting for some people. That's one yeah. thing I was going to bring up because – you're right, constantly experimenting and iterating and constantly trying to figure out what's going to continue to move you forward uh, with your business, with your product, whatever that is, with your customer journey uh, and development there. But that's really tough work. And you're right. I feel like a lot of people, especially um, people who are, are doing it all themselves and small businesses, they hope or expect it to happen somewhat quickly, that they're going to see some movement. And maybe you'll get lucky and you will. But you're right, especially for long-term growth, that is a constant process and a somewhat exhausting one. It is. And we're at a size where a growth team makes sense, right? Like when you're young, littler, smaller, littler, I don't know why. Like, yeah, it's a weird term. <laughs> we're struggling with words today. It's okay. <laughs> right? When you're more in that startup phase, it might not make sense to have a growth team that's tinkering all of the time because you're yeah. still big picture. You're trying to find product market fit. So maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe your iteration looks more like, um, you know, we, we put out a document center and all of our users are asking for X, Y, Z. Okay, we're going to double down on X. And we're going to put it out there and we're going to see what behaviors change. But you're not messing with Y and Z because you can't. You can't do it all at once and you're focusing and you move X forward and you realize that it is getting better return. It is bringing more people in. They're staying longer and you learn. And then how could those learnings be applied to maybe Y and Z? So it it is, those are X, Y, Z. That's (laughs) that's what we're growing here today. That's exactly, I think... (laughs) The next thing that we need to touch on that's subsequent to this conversation, which is you need to take the time to figure out and clearly identify your KPIs, Mm -hmm. right? Or your key performance indicators. Mm -hmm. So um, 
because sometimes, especially like you said, when you are littler, um, you uh, you put something out there, a change out there, or something new or something different, and then you look all the way to the end result, your bottom line, whatever that is, and look for change there. And that may not be the right place to look to yeah. see if your change actually mattered, yeah. right? To, to the customer journey, to your flow, to whatever it is. So you need to figure out what those KPIs are for that change and then look there and then figure out what is the next step. It is a, a minute process to figure out. But you're going to get it wrong a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, you're going to say, well, that did not tell me anything. Right. If I look at that metric, it actually didn't have the effect that I thought it would. It mm-hmm. actually changed something over here. And so what we talk about a lot in experimentation, you're always going to have a trade-off. Like if I now decide that you should learn about agendas, the trade-off is you're not learning about the document center right away. Mm-hmm. So there's like these trade-offs that you have to consider and your KPIs hopefully should lead you in the directions where your trade-offs aren't affecting your ma- main key performance indicators. Yeah. So I don't want to be trading off. If your key performance indicator is um, conversion percentage, Yep. I probably don't want to flood the top of my funnel with low-quality leads. It's going to tank my conversion percentage. And so if my KPI was fill the top of the funnel, I'm succeeding. If my conversion percentage is my KPI, now I don't know where to look. Because it's great we're getting traffic at the top. It's not converting at the bottom. And so you're not actually moving in the same direction by looking at both those metrics. Um, That's at a company level. Maybe both teams are looking at different things. But that's important to really decide where you're trying to go. Yeah. And the size of your team, if who do you, how many people do you have to be looking at those different metrics? Like you're yeah. saying, two people looking at two different, I want to bring all these people in. I need to make sure they're converting them to separate things. Mm-hmm. But if you, when you're growing, if you don't have <laughs> the teams to have two people doing that, you have to really uh, zero in on those things you for do. sure. And I will just wholly admit that sometimes your reaction when you're in an iterative, like, process in your business is that you're sometimes going to change things before you should yeah so like not giving things breathing room as is just as much as of a mistake than not ever changing so it's a balance it really is and when when there are seasons to your business and something feels like it's low then you go and just have a knee-jerk reaction and you change it that's tough because maybe that wasn't the right move. And you know what? you're going to make wrong moves but it, it is important to do both right to change and make sure you're evolving with your business, but also give it time to breathe and actually learn and look at some data. So I, we got to start wrapping up this conversation. Um, (laughs) But I have a personal question that I want to touch on because we kind of got your story of, of getting with Boardable. Um, We got you walking into the basement. We heard about the founders and how the idea came about. But what I want to know is you were here in Cedar Rapids and then you go to Indianapolis. How did you, actually get connected with Boardable? And why would you say yes to working in a basement with just a couple of people? Why would you say yes to that? Because it sounds crazy. Yeah, it was a little crazy. I, (laughs) (laughs) I, when I was living in Cedar Rapids, loved startup weekends yeah, uh, and the thrill of it, right? The thrill of coming up with an idea, proving it out and actually putting it into play in the world. And that's just kind of how I'm built. And I, I'm an entrepreneur. I love business. Um, I love product. And so I went to Indy. I joined Zotech, which was health revenue cycle management, another super sexy category out there. <laughs> and I was doing well there. Um, I had, I was product managing a BI tool. And I had developers and warehouse devs on my team. I had BI analysts that I was working with. It was good but there was no creativity for me Um, I lost that marketing angle that I used to have it was just more product management you're managing other people's work and then I also kind of lost out on the ability to actually affect my users so health billing is a really big industry and you can't really respond to every single patient's um feedback (laughs) right i'm sure you don't really need to it's like you have to pay the bill or you don't (laughs) well so there are things like that right but also you're building software so there are like ux things people are like i wish it would do xyz and you Mm -hmm. just couldn't do what i wanted to do so i was looking for something different and i went to a networking event in indianapolis and i actually saw jeb pitch boardable Mm. and 
I have always had career goals to either be a CEO or ED of a nonprofit. And all of a sudden I was seeing technology and nonprofits. And I said, nonprofit tech. (laughs) That sounds amazing. And that really is still today my favorite part about Boardable is when you get under the hood of all the stuff we've been talking about today, all the analytics and customer journeys and trying to get them to buy your product. But really the person who's buying it has a mission in a nonprofit that they are doing such cool things. And so you'll see an organization come in and the other day I saw one about human trafficking and I said, oh my gosh, I am so glad that at least a part of my day-to-day work that can often feel, you know, we are a for-profit company. So we have revenue targets we're trying to hit, all of these things, and we have to make money, right? But we get to build something for nonprofits that are doing incredible work helping people. And that's important to me, and that is what drew me into the company. And that's why I was able to take a risk. Um, And the risk has paid off, especially in my career. It's what I wanted at that time to have more autonomy and to have more room to make mistakes and startups allow you to do that. I think that's awesome. Um, and I, maybe that's where we start to wrap this up. I have one last question for you and then I'm, I don't know if Brody has anything else you want to throw into. It I looks mean, like we never see each other. We never talk. So I never, <laughs> no, go for it. Um, I think that's what it is. You know, you've really, uh, shared a lot about, um, what startups are great, what your experience has been like, um, what it means to really be a product marketer, um, what it means to really explore the customer journey and iteration and all of that. So as you think about the people that might be listening to this show, those um, people in the Cedar Rapids area and Eastern Iowa area in the corridor who are starting a project, who are a couple years in, who are small business owners, um, do you have any final pieces of advice based on some of the things that we've talked about that you might want to send people home with? Because I think there's, you have a lot of value to share. I think biggest thing, hmm, there are a lot of things, but don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Mm. Um, it's something you're that's really important to you and personal. And so, when you put something out into the world and you know there's a risk that it won't land, uh, sometimes you could spend a lot of time tweaking and, and making it just perfect. But really, in those early days, it's progress. You have to get things out. And maybe if it didn't work that time, you get back out and you do it again. But spending too much time and effort on on things that maybe mean more to you than your customer uh, that's like a big ego check, right? Of like, is this because I want it to happen or because my customers need it to happen? And um, in technology, often you could think, if we just built this one thing, I know X, Y, Z, instead of my users are telling me that they need this. And so I, I think that's that's it. You just have to move forward. And everything I did in the early days at Boardable, I'm, it was not perfect. It just wasn't. And when I look back, you, you often want to tell people like, our tech stack was this, or I only had three people. And, and I say embrace it. Like, yeah, you're going to look back and you're going to see growth. And I hope you do. I hope you don't look like you did five years ago. That would be a bummer. I hope your work is better. You, what you're producing means more. And you're actually nailing what you set out to nail. You can't do it in the first year. Maybe, maybe you can actually, a year is quite a bit of time, (laughs) especially (laughs) in startup land, (laughs) but you can't do it with your first go. So just get up, try again and, and don't let perfection get in the way of progress. I love it. Yeah. That's a perfect, I need to stick that on a graphic and share that. That's awesome. Yeah. Christy, you say you're not a motivational speaker, but I am (laughs) motivated. There's something there. I am motivated. It's still in me. (laughs) Get it out. Don't worry. (sighs) And you, dear listener, should feel motivated to click that subscribe button. All right? Do you like you like that? We're that checking the analytics. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> we'll know. <laughs> we'll know if you did or not. Um, hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Friends with Marketing Benefits. It's been a pleasure to talk with our guests, to chat about all these great things, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have, consider subscribing, leaving a review, and most of all, consider subscribing to LAS Plus. $10 a month, all the great stuff I said at the top. It's, it's awesome. Come hang out. Come hang out. Come hang out. One, one more time? I, think, I don't think they got it. Come hang out. $10 a month. Uh, LASpodcastnetwork.com slash 
Plus, and again, this is Friends of Marketing Benefits, every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, laspodcastnetwork.com. Krista, you're incredible. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to meet wow. you and chat with you. I, yeah. Okay, well, don't get a big hat about it. Right? <laughs> don't make it weird. Yeah, yeah. All Dang right. it. <laughs> I did so well until now. <laughs> uh, if people want to learn more about um, Boardable, where what, where should they go? What they should Boardable.com. Nice or you could just, yeah, reach out. Let's connect. What's a good way for them to connect with you? LinkedIn is great. Krista Martin. Got it. Anything else, Brody? No, I think that covers it all. I think that does it. Until next time. Bye. Bye. The LAS Podcast Network is an independent network of local creators based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For more, visit laspodcastnetwork.com. LAS.